Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here and we're back after a long break for the Logo Geek podcast again, which is the podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. Today's episode is sponsored by The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe stock assets. And if your skillful project is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other talented designers, art directors, and creatives, where the winner goes home with $750. It's totally free to participate in the perfect match. And by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will buy you a coffee for your time. So you can't really lose. To learn more about that and to enter, just visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. That's theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. So I'm back after a rather long break, but you'll be happy to hear that this will be an ongoing weekly show once again. To kick things off on this episode, I'm joined by a young designer, Kwaku and Praco. I was introduced to Quakey by Michael at Logo Package Express. At that time, Quakey had been working on a, a logo design training course with the awards website, and Michael felt that I could really help him to promote that course. So I did a bit of research. I had a look over Quakey's portfolio, and I was blown away by the quality of his logo design work. It's a lot of those really super simple slick marks that you see in these books is beautiful work and I think it's the quality of work that a lot of us logo designers really aspire to create. I also noticed that he'd been featured on Behance a few times and it really looked like he's been making a lot of good moves so we jumped on a call we got to know each other a little bit and I was just blown away to find out he'd only recently graduated from uni and at the time of recording he'd only been running his design business for about six months and I find that crazy because looking over everything that he's done he looks like he's well established it really looks like he's been doing this for years and um, if I'm honest it looks like he's achieved more in a short period of time than some designers that have been doing this a lot longer than he has. So I know for sure, you know, just based on what he's done here today, he's well on his way to becoming a super successful designer. And although he's young and hasn't been doing this very long, I feel that there's a lot that we can all learn from Kwaku's story. So on this episode, we're going to unravel his story. We're going to find out how he became a designer how he managed to get featured on Behance several times and how he's managed to get the opportunity to create a training course for the awards website. It's an inspiring story, so let's dive straight in. Here is the interview with Kwaku and Praco. Something I've been doing with the podcast now um, I've got a slight change of focus for the podcast and community. Yeah. Um, so with the interviews, I I want to use it as an opportunity yeah. to find out how other people have made a living designing logos. And you're quite early on in your career, very, yeah. very early on in, in your career. Um, I think in terms of the podcast, over 100 episodes, you're probably the earliest in your career and um i think that gives us a a unique opportunity because everything is really fresh in your mind you're clearly doing something right because you you seem to have um established yourself very quickly and i think in this interview we can learn a lot from that even though you are very early on in your career so I know that there's going to be other people that will be able to get a lot from this who also want to make a living designing logos. Um, so how I'm going to 
start this is by going back to pre-university. You went to university, didn't you? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah cool. So the time prior to going to university, mm. did you know that you wanted to do graphic design? Um, I had no clue what I wanted to do, <laughs> to be honest. So what made you go in that direction? Because you, you obviously had some kind of choices to the direction you, you wanted to go. Yeah. What was it you studied and why, why did you study that? Yeah, sure. So um, the course that I decided to choose actually was um, digital media arts or right. digital, digital arts, something like that. Um, and I just got attracted to it because it had stuff like I knew I, I was I knew I was good with the computer before um, before before university had had my A levels which um, I studied like business, economics and computing. And I knew that I was, I really liked doing business. And then I also like using like computers and stuff, but I didn't like computer science, which is, I realized that fast. I absolutely hated doing coding and stuff. So um, yeah, got attracted to digital media arts. um, And it was more like the course was basically, it was very broad. Um, It had like the slightest part of graphic design I remember we only used Photoshop and Illustrator for like one module out of the four years um and it was yeah so when I first got into the course it it was weird because I immediately immediately knew that I didn't really want to do this course (laughs) and that really just because I I from an early age I really knew that I wasn't quite the academic type so yeah. I understood um, I was more creative than academic um, and I kind of done well when there wasn't like academic barriers onto me. So, um, yeah, I hope I answered your question. Oh, yeah, it has. So <laughs> how did you go from this course that seems quite high level yeah. to being at the position where you could start on your own as a graphic designer because we we've we've had a conversation prior to doing this interview and looking on your website and seeing everything that you're doing you seem to be making a lot of good moves um almost to the point where it looks like you've been doing this a lot longer than you have done but in reality it's like what six seven months something like that it's it's a relatively short space of time so this course that had a very small amount of graphic design I assume at that point you didn't know anything about graphic design what was it in that course that allowed you to um flourish as a graphic designer to to get to where you are now yeah, that is a perfect que- question, actually. So my course was four years, um, first year and second year. They were just normal academic year. However, the third year was like a sandwich year. And within that year, you would have to either do a placement or study abroad. And my choice was to study abroad. I was looking forward to it, to like go to another country and study there, just like do some artistic stuff there like on the computers on the computers and stuff just some digital media design mm-hmm. um however um I didn't end up doing that and instead I ended up doing a gap year and within the gap year that was like I, I tell everyone it was like my golden year within that gap year I was able to do a six-month placement and um some freelancing and I also got a job so that was actually the best year that um like gave me so many opportunities so within that year, I really, because as I said, I wasn't studying graphic design. It was, it was like just some design course, but just some like media course. Yeah. That's the best word to describe it. Just some media course. So in the gap year, I really had the freedom to do what I wanted to do. And I made the choice to study at a start, um, sorry, work at a startup company. Um, and this was unpaid. It was like a six month startup company. And I did some logo identity and some branding. Um, it's funny because <laughs> I'll say the story another day, but the the owner actually ended up ghosting me. So I just made the best out of that situation. Something that I'm happy to talk about later. I made the best out of that situation and I posted that project on Behance. And after that, I got my first like feature from Behance. And then that's when a lot more doors opened up. Um, and then within that year, after doing that, um, I repeated the same thing that I did, but obviously a different design project. And I got another feature and then more doors started opening up. And then I believe 
the best thing that's happened to me being at uni was actually getting a design job at the university, the students, the students union. So um, there's like a, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with a student union, but it's kind of like a charity that helps um, new students like freshers into the university, but also just um, like the well-being of students at a university. So I got a job there and I learned a lot. And one huge thing that I learned was I didn't want a job as a graphic designer. <laughs> Sounds crazy, but that was definitely the best um, thing that's happened to me. The, the job was amazing. The people that were lovely. Um, I just learned myself quicker and I understood that I'm not able to thrive in particular en- environments. So yeah. that really just like gave me a direction of, it, it really confirmed with me that I want to do freelancing. I knew I wanted to do freelancing for like a while prior, but that just really confirmed with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find it, it's, it's quite an interesting story because I, I, we, we haven't had uh, a conversation this deep prior to yeah. um, doing this. And uh, here today you seem very ambitious, very focused, but um, y- you know, two, three years ago, uh, it seems like you wasn't sure what you wanted to do. Um, you was more following what the system kind of yeah, exactly. um, pushes you down and, and, and what you're encouraged to do after school. And I, I know personally, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished college. I, I didn't go to university um, for uh, numerous reasons, but I... I I didn't know what I wanted to to do either. You kind of get to this point where you just keep trying things and you you just get to a point where you you uh land in a position where you start to realize what you want to do and exactly, then that's when yeah. you become uh, a lot more uh focused and I think it's it's good that we've um spoken about that cuz I think when you are young you don't really know what you want to do. There's so many things that you can do and I think it's it's interesting that you did a uh, a media course that had a little bit of everything. Um, I've, I've met a few, uh, students that have done things like that. It means that they have quite a broad portfolio and, uh, it, it helps people to figure out the direction you want to go. And it sounds like, although it, it, it probably wasn't as useful as you thought it was, but did you get that uh, that knowledge to design a logo for that company that you worked with during your gap year did you gain that knowledge from university the sad truth is um everything in my portfolio nothing was taken from my course <laughs> on university everything like on my instagram or my website um the course was it as because it was very broad it was very kind of difficult to build a portfolio because you don't really want a portfolio with a wide range of of different kind of mm-hmm. kind of stuff so um no um I, I really do say I am self-taught just because my course didn't have anything with logo design they didn't really teach us how to use software and they just expected us to just get on with creating for example one assignment was like create a book cover in in photoshop they taught us a little bit how to use it and then after that assignment was done, we just moved on to like the next um, Adobe software, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they ever even taught us how to use Adobe Illustrator. I don't think there was any assignment in Illustrator. But um, yeah, I would say I would say what I what I had learned from university was from my course was carrying out projects, um, which I'm happy to talk about later. Now I'm at a stage that. I have to do more than logo design, which is like, I have to do recording. I have to do audio, um, audio um, I have to do video editing that um, I'm very grateful that I learned in university, like how to use um, Adobe Premiere. But yeah, I would say just to, just working on a, on a creative project on the whole is, is, was very valuable and that's something that I learned. Yeah. So do you think that you'd be where you are now? if you didn't go to university? Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but what I would say is I made the best out of all the worst, um, all the bad things that I, that had happened because mm-hmm. um, even, I, did, I don't think I mentioned, but during uni, 
I, I started freelancing, but there was very small commissions, like just gen- generic graphic design stuff. So I had done this since like first year. Um, and then in the gap year, because I had more time to like focus, um, I was able to like, um, what's the word? I was able to like just invest more of my time into what I wanted to do. And then when I started seeing results, then I was like, okay, this is working. But um, I would say that, yeah, you. I, I would say uni def- definitely pointed me in this direction, not because of the success of the course, but because of the failures that I encountered, such as choosing the wrong course and just um, just making the best out of every bad situation. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it helped you to figure out who you are as a person and yeah, exactly. what you wanted to do and, and the direction you wanted to go. And um, it, in a way, I, I think it's good that universities encourage self-learning Mm-hmm. Um, rather than spoon feeding everything, yeah, because when uh, when you're in the industry, uh, in order to succeed, you have to keep learning constantly because technology is changing, things are coming out. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lifelong journey. Literally, you can read as many books as you want, and you'll continue to learn stuff right until the end of your life. So. Um, I, I've heard a lot of other people say similar. My my partner said that the uh, same thing about her course. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's good that they encourage self learning. And um, although <laughs> although I uh, I felt like we're putting a negative spin on on universities, but it, it sounds like it was helpful for you and did help you to um, yeah. go in the right direction. Um, yeah. So you you mentioned about this gap year. You mentioned about um, freelancing. Uh, you mentioned about that student union. You actually said in earlier that it helped you to work out that you don't actually want to work as a graphic designer. Did I hear that yes. correctly? Yeah, you heard that correctly. <laughs> is, is, is it more that you that you didn't want to work in a team and you prefer to work as an independent? Um, I think it was, I think it was more just as in, I knew the benefits of freelancing such as you can work on, what you want to work on mm-hmm. you can um like yeah so w- with the job it was really just do this do that and um <laughs> and I also learned about myself like it's hard for me to to work on something that I don't have interest in it's like almost it, it hurts me mentally because it's, it becomes so boring to the point where it's like I don't know if I want to, do, but, but to the point where yeah. like I don't perform the best because I'm just generally not interested. So um, with the job, there was many things that I didn't really want to do. Like I just thought it was boring and I just knew that it, it became repetitive. So day after day I was doing certain things. I was working with the same typeface <laughs> and, <laughs> and the same type of working on the same poster. I know that's common in freelancing, but I just realized that I like to, change projects very often um i think i'm i'm i really enjoy working um in teams i just think it's just what i'm working on if i work on it for too long it's really like mind-numbing um but yeah i would just say i just realized that i i need to work on a variety of of projects yeah i find it interesting then that you've um based on your portfolio anyway a lot of what's in your portfolio seems to be very niche and yeah. it's primarily logo design. Yeah. How did you go from not really knowing what you wanted to do, deciding that you didn't want to do graphic design to to enjoying working on logos? How did how did you get to that point? Yeah. Um <laughs> I think it was actually so when I was freelancing during that uni, as I said, it was very like small commissions. Um, yeah. people just come to me for, for like logos and then I just enjoyed, pardon me, I enjoyed making logos. So it was just quite fun and simple. And I, I'm just like, I'm quite a simple person. So I like, um, just focusing on like one thing. So logos just became more of a habit to me. I remember I just used to just work on logos, post on Instagram, and it just became like a norm to me just working on it. I think I just got attracted just to logos. Um, and I think I, I 
I grew fast in terms of understanding the importance of niching. Um, cause I know that niching is difficult for a lot of designers. Um, and I know that what I do is, is, is very niche. Um, I wouldn't say it's very niche actually, but, um, I've made the decision to like, I don't just do logos. I do brand identity as well, but, um, I put out there that I, that I really do logos, but, um, I would, I would say that I remember I was speaking to my brother actually, cause he's, um, he's a, he's a creative as well. He, he's very good at like illustrations and stuff. I was speaking to my brother and I remember there was a time where I hit and I was just like, I just want to do logos. Yeah. I just said, yeah, like I just want to do logos. And he was like, nah, I don't know, man. I don't think that that's, I think you're, you're putting yourself in a box. And I, I was the only one that thought, no, I can really just niche down on logo design. And then, yeah, I've done it. But um, a lot of people think is it, think is a bit strange to like really niche down on logo design. But um, yeah. And then when I started posting more stuff on Instagram, um, that became another habit as well. Uh, I, I was just starting to get into habits that I didn't really notice, um, which was just creating logos posting on Instagram. And the more I did that, the more um, of those type of opportunities just came my way and I started to do more and then I started to like it more. And then, yeah, just like a cycle. Yeah, it's the uh, compound effect. And I would say that also happened to me um, because when, um, because I've worked in design agencies for long periods of time and I've done the, the kind of jobs that you're talking about I know exactly the type of thing um with those things you just kind of need to get on with it but I can understand yeah. that for some people it's difficult and I think it's good that we've spoken about that because there's probably going to be people that will relate with that yeah. um but when I started Logo Geek which was just a hobby I had the same situation and what you find by doing a logo, posting it on social media, sharing it, you know, so people can see it. When you start doing that consistently, you get known for doing that thing. You build a reputation doing that thing. And everybody knows that you do that. And they tell tell their friends Mm -hmm. when someone within your network mentions that they need a logo, people that know you should reckon, uh, recommend you because that's what you do. It's it's easy to put you in a box. And I think being in a box as a, as a graphic designer is a good thing. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot easier when you go to events and people ask you, what do you do? I design logos. It's so easy to say. Um, yes, there's a lot of people doing it, but not many people are really focused. There's only a yeah, handful of designers exactly. that I know that yeah. really um, go all in. And um, I've seen people question, is it possible? Of course it is. You just need to remain focused and do what you've been doing. You get that compound effect. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned those early projects were cheap. How how low are we talking here? Are you open to Mm -hmm. speaking numbers? Absolutely. I'm I'm transparent (laughs) with these things. (laughs) But um, yeah, we're talking. um, We're talking. I remember the first logo I've made was actually for my brother. I can't remember how much that was for, but I know my my first was 20, 20 pounds. <laughs> that's that's yeah. My after so after I made the logo for my brother, I started doing vector illustrations, <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, portrait illustrations for people's faces, and that was ten pounds. I was charging ten pounds for that, and that would take me up to six hours, and I would charge ten pounds for those, and and I was happy, man. I was like. Yeah, I, I remember I used to post on my Snapchat. People used to be like, oh, I want one. And then I remember I increased it to 15. And then I started increasing it, increasing it, increasing it. And I remember till the time where it's, it was, I started doing 50 pounds and I thought that was okay. But then I started to really listen to like Logo Geek and watch the future. And I was like, no, enough is enough. There's no way I could I could charge that much for a logo. I, I think people don't realize like when uh, when I work for a company, you, you got an annual salary. And um, uh, I, I think from my personal background, uh, I remember thinking like 30 grand a year was really good money. <laughs> like that, that was like the, mm-hmm. the peak of success. I, I remember this guy that I, 
I I saw coming in like a fancy car. It wasn't actually that fancy looking back. Uh, but at the time, mm-hmm. you know, having a fancy car, having a 30 grand job, that was like peak success. And um, yeah. I was the same as you. I didn't think that uh, you could get paid more than a couple of hundred pounds for doing a logo. But through doing the podcast, through reading, through having conversations with other logo designers, there is no ceiling. There is literally no ceiling. There are designers out there that can charge in excess of a million dollars only for a logo design and the reason why it starts to cost that much and i've done episodes on this that i can um link to but if you can imagine that you're a company like coca-cola billions of dollars and you have that logo redesign and it's wrong that's that can lose that company millions millions of dollars so mm-hmm. uh, a company like Coca-Cola will want to go with the designer or agency that is the least risky option. And you, you hear the future talk about this type of thing a lot. Yeah. And they want to make sure that when they have their logo redesigned, that it's going to perform for them, that it's not going to cause any negative damage, that it's going to increase the amount of money that they will make as a business and the cost or the the value to companies of that scale is enormous and that's why you will see um agencies that uh will get a logo design project that has that obviously they have systems and processes in place that um ensure that it will be a success it doesn't always go right but it's it, you know with the strategist uh, the the research user testing all that sort of stuff uh it's worth it for some companies to in, invest that volume money so um bargain basement like right at the bottom of the pile is the 50 pound logos is the five like yeah. that is such a tiny amount of money I I'm consistently yeah, working yeah. with companies now that pay over a thousand pounds for a logo design yeah. only, and um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure where you are yet. I know you're quite early in your journey, mm-hmm. but for anyone that wants to consistently design logos and only logos, it's 100% possible, <laughs> and the sky's the limit. Yeah, um, obviously, don't chase the money. I think the the approach that you uh, that, that we've both taken is is the right way to do it start off at the bottom you have to start off at the bottom because you don't have a reputation yet you don't have mm-hmm. proof you don't have evidence yeah. that you can do it but what you did is yeah. by doing those like 20 quid projects or 10 10 pound projects 20 pound projects and and scaling with each project you was able to provide proof or you was able to validate that you can do a good job and by adding to that, you was able to increase that because people had increased trust that you could you could do the right job. So yeah, it's it's, it's all the compound effect. The, the 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 more projects you do, the more you share them, you build a reputation, and you've done exactly that in a relatively short space of time. Um, okay, so you were doing a few logos. Now you have a really slick website. When when did that? When did that come about? Because I'd, I'd like to go now with the next story. So you finished university and you started doing these yeah. small projects that was making you happy. Where, how, where did it go from there to being something that was something that was sustainable? Okay. Um, yeah, great question. So um, when I finished university, I remember handing in my, my final assignment. <laughs> Let me start from there, actually. And sure. I just felt... I felt, I felt like I was on top of the world because I felt like uni was great and I'm so grateful for it. Um, I just felt like it was a time that I needed to move on and the the uni assignment was stopping me because I couldn't like continue. I couldn't actually officially start my business. So when I handed in the assignment, that's when I just completely went all out. Um, so I started posting every day on Instagram and then um, I started attracting more clients. Um, 
So after doing that, I just, I just started to like use Behance more actually. So after I started to use Behance more, I just started to be very strategic with how many projects I'll post even Behance, when I'll post them, um, when I'll post Instagram posts. Um, and I started to get more clients. But to be honest, after I graduated, I had a dip um, in success. Actually, not even a dip in success. I just felt completely lost just because I wasn't doing uni and I was completely focused on it. And you you need to build a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. So thank God I was doing little things whilst I was still studying at uni, such as like posting every day on Instagram. So after, after I had... I had done that. I had eventually like September, I think it was 2020. Yeah. September to November, 2020 was so bad. Like, I mean, that was the worst time ever for me. Like that had no clients. Um, I had so much bills. I had um, a lot of uni stuff that I had, that I needed to pay back and it became so overwhelming I was just like, I don't even know what to do. It yeah. just became so overwhelming. I think um, it it wasn't an easy time either because it was it was peak of the pandemic yeah, as well. Exactly. Which yeah. didn't make anything easier. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I agree with that. Um another yeah, so w- with the pandemic, I, I kind of ignored the the pandemic thing, which I think was was stupid of me. I shouldn't have ignored that aspect, but um then when I started to to get, um, I, I think I got a, a client and this was like an AI client. Um, they dealt with, they was building an autonomous car software and their budget was exactly what I needed and was nice. And I was just happy. That was like my, my breakthrough moment for that. Um, after doing that, I just started working on the project and I also had other clients as well, just started working on, on that Um and then, yeah, I just started using Behance a lot more. Um, yeah. Am I going off topic? <laughs> oh, no, you're not. I, I think it's good to talk about these um, dips. I, I think it's important because yeah. um, I, I think where it where that lull has come from is that you, uh, and I think a lot of people go through this because you go from a kid, you go to school and you have structure. Yeah. Yeah. Then you go to college or university, where, wherever you are in the world. Um, there's usually this education system where you're giving all this support and guidance and structure. Yeah. Um, you usually have a support network in terms of family yeah. that's there for you. And then you get to this point where it's like, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you're pushed off a, off the end of a, a, a plank and, and you have to start swimming and it's like, good luck. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just there to do your own thing. And I, I think a lot of people have that moment where they suddenly have all of this support and then realize now I'm on my own and it's yeah. a lot harder than people might realize. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I, I think it's good that you brought that up. Um, you mentioned that you was lucky enough to get this good project. And I think that's, um, I'm happy that that did happen, but projects like that don't just come out of nowhere. Oh yeah. What was it you was doing prior to having that sort of down yeah. moment? Yeah. Did, w- was there a website yet? Was, was you posting on Behance and, and social already by that point? Um, that is a perfect question, Ian. Like I was even thinking, oh, I need to say this, but yeah. Um, so prior, so during the dip, um, the dip was was extremely bad, and that that was the moment when I just promised myself, like, yeah, I need to fix up. I need to I need to ch- completely change my work ethic because even though I felt like I was doing a few things, it wasn't enough. So what I did um, to eventually get like um, bigger and better clients was even though I was posting on Instagram, I was posting every day, but there were some days that I wouldn't. But this time I was posting consistently every day. And then I started to eventually do blog posts and blog posts completely changed everything. After blog posts, um, I started to just, it was literally just Instagram. Like I just really went twice as hard on Instagram. Um, 
Yeah, Instagram and blog posts. At this at this time, I had a website. I did have a website, but it wasn't as nice. Um, mm-hmm. So I started working on it, and I'm not really a, a web designer. I, I, as I said, um, I'm not really. I don't really like doing code or anything. <laughs> so um, the website was was a, was a big challenge for me. Um, I just had to learn how to do a few things, start to do a little bit of coding, purchase a few plugins to make sure everything was where I wanted it to be. So eventually I built my website to um, a place that I knew, a place that I wanted to attract a particular type of client. And then it actually worked. Um, Christo actually said this one time, your website is like a barrier to the clients that approach you. Even on my website, I even have like um, a pricing thing, like a like a little price suggestion. And as you said, Ian, is is not a thing where we chase the money, is really not, but... A money, the money is just a byproduct of 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 your your work and and mm-hmm. stuff. So I feel like it's just very important that um, for the sake of my time and the other person's time, that no time is wasted because you do get those clients that generally I don't like. Some clients they genuinely just don't know the value of design, but some do, and they try to like they disrespect you in a way where they try to get even free work, and they do it in a quite in a like like in a way that they just don't really care. So, um, yeah, I would just say blogging and Instagram just really changed um, everything. And I would just like to also say as well, I listened to a podcast. Um, it was a Logo Geek podcast. I can't remember who he was interviewing, Ian, but I think it was David Airy. And David Airy, and I think both of you said that you can't just wake up and do everything. You will break. And that is completely mm-hmm. true. Like when I was in my dip, I used to be frustrated with myself thinking on my days, why am I not doing this? I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm not doing that. If you think like that and you actually eventually wake up and do everything, you're just going to destroy yourself. So I just woke up and start doing things day by day. So Instagram, I finally accomplished that habit. And then later on, I started waking up early. Like I would say I started waking up at like 8am just to blog and uni and um yeah uni never woke me up at those times like there was a lot of times where I missed lectures I wouldn't get up just because like nothing could get me up at those times and I mean 9am nothing get me up at 9am 10am just for uni but blogging was surprisingly extremely weirdly the only thing that would um get me up um and yeah and also another thing apart from blogging I also did logo folios which is um which allowed me to attract particular clients on Behance. Um, I'm happy to talk about that next as well. So, Oh, yeah, I, I think we should go into that. But I think one of the important takeaways from what you just said is in, in order to be successful, you don't need to, like, do everything all in one go. Like, you don't need to, like, be hyper-focused and sit down and one day build yeah. your website and then, like, every day just hammer it out on all these different platforms it doesn't happen like that you i think as long as you have like a clear target so you know the direction that you want to go every day can be just an hour here and an hour there or half an hour here as as long like all these small things compound they all build up and become this body of work that when you look back like five ten years on it looks like an enormous amount of work but in reality it's lots of small things and in your case um you mentioned about waking up early and starting to write um i don't know how long you you wrote for but even if it was just half an hour or an hour at least you're making progress each day towards the greater good and if you hadn't done that you know you hadn't made that little bit of time a day to make progress then you wouldn't be where you are today you're only here now where you are because of those little things every day (laughs) and um i I think you know that that that's how you succeed in this space is just have some focus as to the direction you want to go in your case you had that website you know that you wanted to get clients you saw um Instagram and and Behance growing in popularity you saw that the blogs were helping so you just mm-hmm. gradually worked on those things <laughs> yeah. and um, that worked out for you 
I interrupt this interview for a short message from the sponsor of this episode. The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created with Adobe stock assets and earn your chance to play on a game show to win big. As designers, we pitch good vibes and great ideas through visuals all day, every day. But how well does our design communicate? Do clients and higher-ups really understand the work we put in front of them? Well, let's find out. Test your skills by assembling a brand-inspired mood board with Adobe stock images to the perfect match. And if your skillful project is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other groovy designers, art directors, and creatives where the winner goes home with $750. It's free to participate in the perfect match. And if you submit an entry, Adobe will buy you a coffee for your time. To take part and to learn more, head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash logageek. That's theperfectmatch.co forward slash logageek. So now let's get back to the interview. One of the big topics I really wanted to go into uh, in this interview was how you leveraged Behance. Because I know prior to doing this interview, it was something that you mentioned was a big success you mentioned it again uh for the listeners now so i want to go into this because i don't post on behance so my knowledge of it is i mean obviously i've used it but i I don't know it that well at all Mm -hmm. and there's probably people listening that either don't use it or might use it but don't know the four capabilities so do do you want to give some background I, i think i think we should go back to basics so what is Behance and why did you specifically choose to use it sure yeah so Behance is just a a platform where creatives showcase their work is normally they they showcase like case studies so like step by step and what they did and stuff so imagine um, your portfolio but more explaining what you did and why you did you can go that route or you can just go like portfolio route it's completely mm-hmm. up to you. So, um, yeah, so how I first got attracted to the Behance, as mentioned earlier, was um, was just posting a brand identity project that I did for the startup company. Um, after I posted that, you get, like, a, a feature, which is a, an award by Adobe. And believe it or not, Adobe, Behance people, um, the curators, they see every project that goes online like every project that's posted on behance and there's like i think there's thousands or millions I, I don't know if there's millions but there's thousands of projects that are posted every day and only a few get um awarded so when i got the first feature and the second feature i kind of became weirdly obsessed with getting features <laughs> just because i knew the um the advantage it gives you because when you get a feature, your work is automatically placed on front on the front on the top page, the front page of um, that section. So if you get a feature in ident- a brand identity, and the client Google's uh, a client goes onto Behance and searches brand identity, the client will see your work first. And bear in mind, there is millions of projects on Behance, so already that is a huge, um, a huge like benefit. Yeah. Another thing as well, especially like high profile clients, when when they go on Behance, normally they're busy and they don't really have time to like scout every corner of Behance. Only like only like really good projects will automatically be on the front or on the top on top of Behance. So high profile clients immediately just go on it. They probably wouldn't spend that long. They just like pick a section that they after and the projects with like that are awarded and have the badges then they click on that project and then they see that oh this person's got this and that and then yeah that's how it's worked but also Behance is similar to like YouTube in terms of views so the most views you get then like it's it's just better for your profile because it shows that people actually watch your profile as well Mm -hmm. um 
Okay, I, I one huge question here. Um, I want to ask. I'm sure listeners like <laughs> desperately screaming out to find out more about this. But how? What? What are you doing to get featured? Okay, like yeah. You're, you're, it, it sounds like your first two projects that you posted got featured. Yeah. yeah. What was it you did that um, you feel allowed you to get featured? Yeah. Um, Christo said this actually. He said, um, I think he was talking to Melinda about this, Melinda Livesey, and he said, um, if you see something nice on Behance, copy that, but just in your <laughs> own way. Mm-hmm. The truth is, you just have to, like, nothing. Nothing is original. Everything comes from something. So you get inspirations by looking at things and then changing it and make it, making it your own. So for example, if there's five projects that I really like, I take one thing from all of those five projects. But obviously it's my work. Um, yeah. And then I just add those presentation skills to my work. Yeah, then... I, I think for clarification, what you're talking about here is finding how other people have presented their work yeah, and exactly. and what they've done to get featured and reverse engineering it. And yeah, I think that's exactly. very clever. Exactly. Like, for example, there's people that are better at um, graphic design than me in terms of like, um, like formation and like positioning. And if they are really good at that and the way they laid it out, I'll just get inspiration from that and I'll just apply it to my work. Um, I've even written a blog post about how to get featured on Behance. One thing that I can remember off the top of my head is that your pages can't be apparently bigger than 1,400 by one 1,400 by 800. Basically, pages can't be t- so large when you upload them just because people don't want to s- sit around waiting for your work to load because they just click off. So the curators um, make sure that your page isn't so... Um, your pages aren't too large. Um, another thing is that what I learned as well is that nobody cares unless you care just about your work in general. Mm-hmm. If you're posting right. <laughs> um, on Instagram or whatever platform is and you have no enthusiasm and you genuinely don't care and you're genuinely just doing it just to post and get through the day, no one else will care. You have to care. And the more you care, people can see that and it will, it will show through your actions. So um, how this is relevant to Behance is that you have to build hype around your projects that you post on Behance. If you just post it on, it's hard to get a feature. You probably still, you can get a feature if you just post on, but you have to build hype such as like promoting it on um, Instagram, doing like a countdown on on Behance, um, sharing it to people on LinkedIn before and, and speaking about that. And then it just, yeah, like the compound effect, it just all adds up until it's finally released. The more views you get, the more people comment, the more people talk about it. Um, and yeah, that's how you get featured. I have a, a more in-depth blog post on how to get featured. And I kid you not, it works every time for me. I literally. will link yeah. to that in the show notes for this episode yeah. nice. um, so that people can go and check that out. And uh, 100% agree with you um, that you need to have enthusiasm for your work, not just yeah. for Behance, but um, I've literally done interviews with people and they've came in with their portfolio and they have a portfolio piece and I've literally had someone say oh don't look at this piece it's not very good and then turn to the next piece and I'm thinking why did you put it in there you idiot (laughs) why would you do that why would you then slag off the work that you just bought in to show off it makes you look really stupid but if he came in and started to be like oh, this is a project that I worked on for this really amazing uh, company. Um, this was the challenge. This is how I um, solved it. And I'm really proud of the work I've done. This is the next project. You know, if you came in with that enthusiasm, me as the interviewee, I come along with that journey. Yeah, I can look at it and think, you know, uh, this work could be better. But a lot of the time, you you see the that spark of... Uh, capability and and uh, something there that you can nurture and and grow and uh, I think that applies to everything that you're doing all the way through your life don't be down and depressed Mm -hmm. and 
and like slate your own work. It's just yeah. not a good look. Always be enthusiastic and proud and mm-hmm. um, do what you've done. Now, some, something you said, I, I don't actually know what this means. So you mentioned about a countdown. Oh. So like a countdown prior to showing off your work. How how does that work? Is that a feature in Behance that you can do or are you just oh. using like posts and stuff to, yeah. to let people know that it's coming? It's- um, there's a feature on B, um, sorry, on Instagram, like countdown clock. Um, yeah. So, for example, if I got a project coming out on the on Friday in like two days, two days time, um, I can just like adjust the date to that, and then everyone can see it, and you can just like, I believe you can post it every day, and the time still stays there, or the story still stays there, and people can just like, it just reminds people. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So you're building up. Like, you're yeah. You're you're using social media and the, the yeah, tools exactly. available to build up hype that this thing is coming. So when it does come, it um, attracts attention. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's one of the secrets to you being successful on Behance that you've done this. Um, I, I'm wondering if. Be, I, I don't I don't know how they operate, but I'm wondering if they use a lot of algorithms to to assist a, a, a team that's there, so they can see that this page has like you, you know you mentioned that height. It must be like just you know on their end like a little green or red light. If it's a red light, then it it, it doesn't get featured. Um, things like the traffic, maybe they can see the. Well, not maybe they can definitely see all the traffic coming yeah. in, and I'm sure that's helping in some way. Yeah. And I think that's a really clever trick. Where where did that come? Did was was that something that you came up with, or did you see other people that have been successful do that same thing, and you've replicated it? Yes. Yeah, so I believe I. How did this happen? So yeah, after I got um a few features, um as I said, I didn't, I wasn't obsessed with Behance, but I was, I, I really liked it more than Instagram and I knew that it was, it was a great platform so there was um so I came across somebody's page um on on Behance and they had like 400 500,000 views and this was like 14 awards that is insane so I messaged him and I asked hi like I really like your page um how like how are you doing this because i would that was just another level and he just told me um he told me these things like boom 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 and then after i realized oh my days so there's actually a recipe to getting featured Mm -hmm. then i started to research it and i found out what other people saw and then i added what they said and what he said and what aligned and worked Mm -hmm. for me i was like okay this works because then i tried it again in a project and it's so funny, like the way I got featured, I think I got featured like the next day when I posted it and I was like, this is just insane. But yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think this is a real important takeaway that because that, um, you, you're really young and, and you're relatively new in your career. Um, you graduated like a year ago, probably even less than that. And based on what I've seen you do, as an outsider, you know, just coming to your website and, and all of that, you you look like you've been doing this a while. And I think the reason for that is because you are being smart enough to acknowledge that people that have been successful have been successful for a reason. And you've used your initiative to go out there and find out how they've done it. Yeah. And that is a really, really good skill to have. And I think, um, I, th- I think if anyone did that at any time, I agree. they will be successful because Behance won't always be the big thing. There will be mm-hmm. something else that will be yeah. successful. And I think um, something that I've learned through doing these podcasts that uh, most designers are happy to help, happy to answer questions. Yeah. Um, so you just reaching out as you know, young designer asking a few questions, you gain so much powerful information from yeah, that. Yeah. And you've been able to apply that and and be successful as a result. Um, now, I know we could keep going on that, but I am conscious of time. And there's another thing that I wanted to make sure to go into. And it's actually how I originally got to know you. Um, you have a course with awards 
and how we actually got to know each other is because uh, Michael from Logo Packet Express, uh, he, I do a lot of affiliate marketing for him. Uh, we're friends as well, but he likes to connect people that he feels could benefit from knowing knowing each other. And uh, he introduced us and he mentioned about your course. Now, it's quite unusual unusual for someone that's relatively young and new in this space to have a course, especially through a, a, a platform like the awards website. You know, this is a really big deal for you. Um, and I obviously want people to go and check out the course. And I'll link to that. I'll put that all in the show notes. But I asked this question and I know that other people will be interested how did you get this opportunity to create a logo design training course for a website as established as awards? Nice. Um, so yeah, um, back to what um, Ian said earlier um, in the previous podcast, he said, if you wake up and try to do everything, you'll break. One thing that I mm-hmm. wanted to do was um, live streams. Um, and I see the future do it. And I just thought it, I'll just like doing it. Um, I had to get like comfortable in front of the camera because it was a bit new to me. But um, Behance <laughs> luckily started adding live stream features. So uh, I just took advantage of that. Started doing live streams um, like every Friday. I have like a live stream called Fresco Friday that I do every Friday, like logo redesigns. Just doing it. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I was strategic with this live stream. Um, I knew that would open more doors, but I wasn't completely sure which doors it would open um after like i think a couple months of live streaming i had somebody from um, the awards team reach out to me and just tell me like yeah they they like my stuff um they think i'd be great to do like a logo design course and i was just like yeah that's perfect and yeah (laughs) i i I just find it amazing because it it's like you're 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 young this is all new to you but because of this drive inside of you to grow your in uh behance profile you're seeing the tours that are available to you and making the most of them and by um you know posting your work consistently and doing all these certain things to get featured that's opening up doors and and then to use um, the live streaming capabilities, uh, even though you, like, like you said, you wasn't that comfortable doing it, but you started doing it. And by doing that, it increases your reputation, you get noticed. And then these, all these doors open and, um, you, you will find that, you know, those doors open, you do those things, they'll open other doors. Um, you know, so by doing this course thing is how we got connected you're now on this podcast you might get you know it should be a domino effect and it should continue and um yeah you you're gonna go you're you're gonna do really well and i think your story is um uh, i think you can replicate it I, i think that that's the beauty of speaking to someone that's so fresh and so new in this area that uh, anyone that's young that's listening to this that are you know at university now and just finished they can take this story exactly as it is and replicate it and do exactly the same thing and in theory should have the same level of success obviously different doors will open and um they they go in different directions of their own but it's it's all these small things that you've been doing that we picked up through this conversation that have allowed you to reach that. Um, and I think that's, it, it, I'm glad that we did this interview because I've spoken to a lot of people that have, you know, they're like 10, 20, 20 years ahead of you mm-hmm. and they're so far ahead that it's hard to relate with that. Yeah. Yeah. And even though they share good advice, which is amazing, but what you shared um, I think it would be inspiring for people that are new, people that are just finishing uni, uh, people like me that have been doing it uh, maybe 10 years longer than you. Um, I, I think it'd be inspiring to a lot of people. So it's been really valuable. And I know that we can keep speaking. There's so many more topics yeah. that I know that we can cover, but I am conscious of time. So I'm going to wrap up the interview. Um, but yeah, this has been absolutely 
incredible so just before i do wrap up do you want to share like how can people find out more about you yeah sure so um you can find out about me on instagram i post every day um and my instagram is amprako.co you can also check me out on behance um kweku amprako um you can also check me out on my website you can check my website and my website is just amprako.co and what I would do is I'll link to that in the show notes uh, for anyone that's not sure how to uh, spell everything. And uh, yeah, this has been absolutely awesome. So I'm so glad that Michael connected us. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy to know you and I look forward to seeing, um, you know, how you succeed in, in the years coming and uh, wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. Just want to say uh, thank you so much, Ian, for having me. This is like... Uh, a dream come true i remember i used to listen to the to the podcast when i was um doing a, another job when i was in my dip and i really um your your pod, your podcast brought so much value so yeah it's an honor to be here thank you well hopefully your story will help other people and it will continue that domino effect um so thanks so much it's been absolutely amazing Thank you so much to Quakey for being an amazing guest and for the Behance tips, which are really useful. To learn more about Quakey, head to his website, amprako.co. And for links to his Behance profile, social media courses, and a transcription of the interview, make sure to check out the show notes for this episode, which you can find just by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash 109. On next week's show, I'm going to be joined by Christopher Doyle. He runs an independent creative studio based in Sydney. So I can't wait for that. But until then, make sure that you go and check out the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, and start working on your mood board. Remember, it's totally free to enter. And uh, even if you don't win the $750, you still get a a gift voucher to go and buy some coffee. So you can't really lose. Uh, So again, to check that out, just head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. So that's it for today. But I'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.